0: A Sunday Grill on Beat one hundred and two one hundred and three.
1: Well, a Kilkenny online gamer has had a busy Christmas raising money for a children's charity. Brendan Mansfield is known as DB Geek online. Uh, that's probably the uncoolest way you've ever heard that said, Brendan. <laughs> he devised the Twelve Geek Gifts of Geekmas contest and used his over four hundred thousand followers to raise over twenty grand for a deserving cause. Brendan joins me this morning to tell us more. How, how would you say your online platform name i'm sure not overpronounced like i just did
2: well you know what you didn't do too bad of oh, a job I? there <laughs> uh, to be quite honest uh, db geek it just kind of rolls off the tongue db geek <laughs> that, DB, db geek, geek that's okay. it yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and why are you
1: db <laughs> geek is there a background story to that uh,
2: not particularly i think it started off well i consider myself a little bit of a geek because okay. i like all things entertainment and video games and such and i i just kind of since my name is Brendan, I just said I try say we'll say the B Geek at first. Okay, and then it just didn't look like a cool looking name, so I decided to turn it into DB Geek, which okay. is kind of how it started. Yeah. So it's a
3: bit
1: like the Irish people are, or Irish people, as in ourselves, say the. So it's kind of DB Geek. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Kinda, I get yeah, you. I
2: that's I get pretty you. much it. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so tell us the gaming community and and where it all started for you. When when did you start gaming?
2: Well, I think I've been, uh, well, I've been a video game for as long as I can remember. Okay. And, and what I was your game I've... of
1: choice that that you can first remember?
2: Uh, well, I think I first fell in love with video games when my mom bought me my first ever video game console, okay. which was the, the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Very good. Now, that's going way back, of course, but it introduced me to the likes of Mario and Streets of Rage and many more. And ever since then, I've just been so passionate passionate about gaming.
1: And what age were you at that stage?
2: Oh, I think I was probably only about four or five. Yeah, because my little girl has yeah. just
1: gone seven and she's got quite obsessed with Mario Kart this year, this mm. Christmas. So I think yeah. that's about the age that you, you start to really get get into this. So this has always been, been part of your life. But I suppose back then you didn't have the ability to converse with other gamers. When do you remember that all kind of starting for you?
2: Uh, Well, I think, you know, conversation with gamers obviously started in my early days in school and Mm. stuff when I realized, you know, I can make friends that also like video games. And that's kind of when, you know, conversations were thrown around about games that we liked or favorite games and such like that. So that's kind of where it all started. But Mm. I think the whole online aspect is something that was very new at the time. And it still is to this day for a lot of people, you Mm know? Yeah.
1: And, and then the gaming community itself, and especially the online gaming community, I think people have a kind of stereotypical idea of what a gamer is and um, what the community is about. And I suppose you even said the word there in geek. But is that how you would describe the gaming community? And, and what does it do for you?
2: Well, uh, to be honest, I think video games is, is really what you make it. I, mm. I know a lot of people associate video games with, I don't know, laziness, procrastination, and in some cases, addiction um but it's all true but if managed incorrectly Uh, i think gaming is a leisure at the end of the day especially for younger people Mm -hmm. so parents kind of need to know when it's time to tell their kids to switch off and put balance into their video game consumption Mm -hmm. um you know collectively gaming as a community is so much more than what people think Uh, i think as a matter of fact gaming has become much more in the last decade Uh, we have gaming influencers with huge social media followings we have esports athletes, which has an absolutely massive competitive scene, mm-hmm. and we of course even have like video game development industry, which is the leading market in, well, entertainment. So, you know, it is so much more than what people think it is. Um, but I think as gaming has progressed over the years, it has become more of something that I think people can turn into careers and sustainable careers of that. So, yeah, it's huge now, huge.
1: And with that in mind, you have over four hundred thousand followers on both Twitch and YouTube. But you were saying off air that, that most of those are from YouTube. Uh, so is it something that has become a career for you, or do you have a day job as well?
2: So yes, and and no. Like okay. I still treat YouTube and Twitch, the platforms that I use, as it is essentially my 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 bread and butter. It's what pays the bills, essentially, and it is okay. my well full time passionate. Uh, career choice but at the same time I still work a part-time job I still work a couple of days in uh, GameStop so that's obviously video game related so Excellent. it all works together yeah. collectively but, <laughs> but video games and the online space is is my main source of income and okay. it's, it's something that I am truly passionate about
1: and, and is that all about getting followers to watch your YouTube videos and what we always hear about YouTube having a certain amount of people watch it so that they'll watch mm. the ads so they're watching you gaming really
2: yeah, like you know, I, I the content I put online is is more of like video game entertainment. It's me okay. playing games that I've never played before and giving my commentary on it and make silly jokes and and all that stuff. And I think you know, with the amount of people that view the content, that determines how much you essentially get paid, which is mm. you know I find quite uh, uh, common, especially in in Irish people. Just the, like the first thing they ask me is oh, so how much money do you make? Which is, you know, if, if you ask a normal person that no, is no considered a little bit, it's yeah. A, yeah, it's a little rude, you yeah. know, but, when it comes to gaming and stuff it's like oh like how much money do you make they're just curious and it just makes me laugh really because they just think it's fascinating more than anything and
1: but, it is fascinating yeah, it is. because i it, do yeah. think when it comes to gaming especially in mass media we do really see that stereotype we d- we don't see the advantages of you know creating communities or you know it it being y- your leisure time you know we we mm. kind of see the bad sides don't we and the way it's portrayed
2: Yeah. And like I said earlier, I think it is what you make it and it's how you view it and how you manage it. And uh, I think gaming has come a long way. And, you know, when it comes to community based stuff and what I do, I've obviously developed a following, but this following has become a community of people Mm. that are willing to support what I do and in the process help me raise money for charity as well so it's, yeah it's we must get on to that
1: now i could ask you so many questions about gaming but i think they're questions that random people are asking you all the time but let me <laughs> ask you one thing like is there someone that you have been talking to on twitch or someone who's been following you on youtube from the from the very start like are there people that you know years thanks to the gaming community
2: yeah um especially with video games i've, mm. I've met a lot of my my close friends through gaming and a lot of my online friends as well are through gaming as well. And obviously the, the YouTube channel and the Twitch channel. And um, yeah, I've been friends with these people and known these people for as long as I can remember now. So yeah. So
1: let's talk Mm -hmm. about the 12 gifts of geekmas. And this was a lovely idea and a real way to use those over 400 followers and, and, and get some, you know, uh, and shout about charities that aren't particularly well known. Now this wasn't, a irish charity you chose a charity in the uk why did you choose that
2: so first of all the, the 12 gifts of geekmas is something that happens during a live stream charity event okay. that me and my team created uh, the event is actually called geekmas okay now this actually started last year back in this or not last year the year before that i forget we're in a new year I now know, yeah. uh, but december <laughs> 2021 is when we've done our first ever geekmas and we actually raised money for an irish charity mm-hmm. Called uh, Chalk Tom, the Thomas Hayes Trust here. Oh in yes,
1: McKinney.
2: yes, yeah. And uh, over the course of twelve hours or so, we raised over forty thousand euro for that charity. That was our first wow. uh, major charity event. And then, of course, going into twenty twenty two, we decided to raise money for a UK based charity called Molly Ali's Wishes.
1: Okay, and what do they uh, do?
2: Yeah. So Molly Ali's Wishes is a charity that helps kids that are suffering from terminal illnesses mm-hmm. and it supports them and it supports their families both emotionally and financially. And they have a thing called Molly Ali's Wishes, which is very similar to the likes of, we'll say, Make-A-Wish. And these kids, they have these wishes and they want, you know, they we want to put smiles on their faces. And in order to do that. They need, uh, obviously, the support from Molly Alley's Wishes to make their wishes come true. Whether it can be clothes or toys that they want to own or video game systems or people that they want to meet. You know, Molly Alley's Wishes will raise money for making those dreams come true, essentially. Okay.
1: okay. And then the 12 Gifts of Geekmas, how do that work?
2: So the 12 Gifts of Geekmas actually happens during the Geekmas event. Okay. Uh, what I do is, during the year, I will pick up 12 video game related items, uh, top tier related items, like playstation 5s uh-huh. xbox consoles nintendo switches special edition video games and such and they're all put into we'll say a raffle the raffle is consisting of the people that donate to the charity so okay. if you donate we'll say five euro or, or more you're already automatically put into the draw and you have 12 different chances to win one of the 12 gifts of geekness okay
1: so you raised yeah. over 20
2: grand this year over twenty five euro okay. we raised for molly Ollie's wishes this year yeah
1: and were there people around around the world taking part in the 12 Gifts of Geekmas?
2: Yeah, so my following consists of people from all over the world. And the okay. majority of them actually come from, say, the US and the UK. Uh-huh. Um, and they collectively came together and they always they love these events. They love coming together as a community and, you know, showing their generosity, which they do. And uh, yeah, they come from all, all four corners uh, of the globe, which is great. Uh,
1: you must get a bit of a buzz from that then. You're doing it two years oh, in I a do, row. Are yeah. you going to continue yeah, yeah. it?
2: Oh, yeah. So we've decided to make Geek Miss uh, an annual event. So we will be doing it again this year in 2023. Lovely.
1: Well, fair play to you. And a great charity yeah. as well. And they're called Molly Ollie's. Is that right?
2: Molly Ollie's Wishes, yes. That's
1: Molly correct. Ollie's Wishes. And last year, of course, you raised funds for Chuck. Tom, which are in County Kilkenny as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Listen, Brendan, it was so lovely to talk to you this morning and to tell us a little bit more about your gaming life and your gaming career. I'm sure most people who game will know all about you, but you can follow DB Geek. And again, I can't. I just can't be cool when I say that. <laughs> Let me try again. You can follow <laughs> DB Geek. How was that? Was that better? <laughs> that was a little better. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think it's the. It's quite hard to say fast, but it's definitely not something you say slow. Follow DB yeah. Geek on Twitch and on YouTube. I'm going to check you out as well, Brendan. Thanks oh, a million sure. I appreciate for that. talking but, to me this morning.
2: There's absolutely no problem. Thank you so much for having me on. It's I, been I a mean, pleasure.
1: never even talked about my childhood obsession with Sonic the Hedgehog. We'll do that another time.
2: Oh, definitely. I'm a big <laughs> fan of Sonic. Oh, brilliant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103. Beat
1: 102 103 of a Sunday morning. You're listening to the Sunday Grill, and let's talk self love. Karen Whelan is the solution therapist. She's bringing her self love seminar to Washford on January 25th with two guest speakers. It's an evening of inspiration that will explore self love and the speaker's journey with that very topic. And Karen joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning with more details. Welcome back.
4: Hello and thank you for having me and happy twenty twenty three. Happy twenty twenty
1: three. Who would have thought that we would have got to hear? Um you've got some lovely ideas of stuff coming up this month, including your self love seminar. What is self love? A love. How would you describe it? It's not sometimes I think of it and think, Oh, it's all about being very selfish and how would you describe it? <laughs>
4: Um, You know, that was the topic um, in November when I first did the very first self-love seminar. You know, people were asking, you know, what is self-love? And my original guest on that night, Mags Murphy's, you know Mags, the Mm -hmm. Phyllis trainer. You know, she said it, she put it in the most uh, simplified, brilliant way. You know, for her, she said self-love is... Being able to be a wonderful parent to your own self where you take great care of your own self and your own needs. And I would echo that. I think that's a wonderful caption of, you know, self-love is, If I love myself enough, I will really not put myself in any spaces or places that make me very uncomfortable, that are a no for me, that I would take better care. I will attune better to myself and I will take better care of me. And for me, that's kind of the epiphany of what self love is. Mm. Um, And I'm so fascinated by self love. As you know, with my journey, I've lived in the other side of self love, which is the self hate. I've lived there for way too long. I was always in that place, which robbed me of my self-confidence, my self-worth, and uh, my self-belief was that I was not good enough. So for me, self-love is self-compassion. It is, for me, it's the healing medicine to our inner suffering. That's how I would see it. Okay.
1: Now, it's interesting that you gave examples of self-hate or the opposite of self-love, you know, feeling worthless and things like that. But how did that how did that all manifest itself what sort of a person were you
4: oh gosh that's you know (laughs) i love that question it's a great question i i was born into trauma so Mm. um i experienced childhood trauma and that trauma When we're so young and innocent, the very first thing we'll always do is blame ourselves. We think there's something wrong with us. We internalize it and point the finger back inwardly. And that's what I did. I was so young. I was only 14 and I blamed Karen for the trauma in her life. I thought there was something wrong with me. I truly believed that I was not lovable. If the people who are meant to love you hurt you this much, Mm. then maybe you're the one who's not lovable. And I truly looked, once I had that as my internal self-belief, because your self-belief is the filter in which you will look out Mm. at the world. It's like your lens. And my self-belief was, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Nobody cares about me. That was not the truth, but that was my truth. And unfortunately for me, then that became the lens I put out there. I was looking for the evidence of that everywhere I, I went, not recognizing that, It meant then I did self-sabotage and things that created in my life people not wanting to be around me. So, again, there was my story. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. But I was this very problematic teenager. I was the girl not going into school. I would duck from school. I was taking drugs. I was being promiscuous. I hated and rejected myself so much that that was my behavior towards myself as well my behavior behavior was in my actions yeah really Mm. sabotaging behavior and we see it everywhere you know we judge ourselves not not at the extreme of me but you know we can judge ourselves by thinking oh i'm not pretty enough i'm not skinny enough i'm not good enough you know and we base our worthiness on external validation okay
1: and that could come from anyone
4: It can come from anyone. And then if it doesn't, so people don't like your posts or comment on Mm. your posts, for example, you might feel that, um, oh, what I put out there is not good enough for that arena. You know, so it's such a sensitive relationship. And a minefield. Yeah. And a minefield. And that's why I work so deeply with self-love. Because self-love is when you're independent of validation of what it is I think you think of me. And you're deeply connected into your own self and You like who you are. You like your company. You like being Mm. in your own physical form. You're very content and you're not reliant on others to confirm to you that who you are is okay. You know that deeply. Yeah. Good
1: stuff. Now, you've very two very interesting speakers. Tell us a little bit about them.
4: I do. And I I love, I love Waterford for this. You know, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of just open up a space in Waterford and just shine the light on who have we here in our own community that are incredible. Um, so my guest speakers this month is I have Dawn O'Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Dawn, um, as many people know, Dawn is a hairdresser. She also owns Fusion Fitness and she has won. I mean, she's world champion in in Bikini Masters over 45. Like, Mm -hmm. wow, she won the Bikini Masters in April. Uh, then she won the European title and now she's world champion. Like, what a woman! Like, yeah, so wow. this is
1: like a, a bodybuilder when you say Bikini Masters, is that yeah, right? So yeah, it's about form yeah, and, yeah. Ex-
4: yeah, it's about form. And Dawn's story is incredible. You know, Dawn, you know, suffered with anxiety from the age of 14 and, and, you know, went in and out of support and medication. And for her, then, fitness and working and focusing on herself is what gave her that regulation and supported her mental wellness you know so she's got an incredible personal story that she will share on the night because we don't see the backdrop story we see the success so you know she'll take people into the backdrop story of what she had to do to get to where she is and how it made her and shaped her into being who she is today um and then we have leanne Walsh. leanne will be known as um She's on Instagram as uh, Whole Living with Leanne. Leanne is gorgeous, another beautiful person. She does yoga, sound therapy, cacao, uh, medicine ceremonies. And she's all about empowering people and, and, you know, getting people to connect in with themselves. Again, her story has to do as well with anxiety and depression. And Leanne will close the service for us up there with some sound therapy. So people will absolutely get to sit in the beauty of having sound therapy with the gongs and the Tibetan bowls. So that's gorgeous. So I will be talking on self belief. I will be really talking to people about, you know, the whole concept of self belief and how that will shape and make you uh, into who you are today mm-hmm. and it, it it absolutely influences the choices you're going to make. You know, it comes down to what how you see yourself, you know. So I will really talk about that and then I will invite um, each speaker up one at a time and then we'll close it down with the beautiful sound therapy. Um and I my intention is to have this space regularly monthly up in saint patrick's gateway so this one is on as you said yeah it's such an environment last in november we had candles we had roses it was just the ambience was very loving and nurturing and that's all i'm looking for yeah yeah just a beautiful evening (laughs) lovely
1: stuff well saturday the 21st of january is the date and time at saint patrick's gateway for the Self Love Seminar. If you go to eventbrite.ie and you just search Self Love Seminar tickets, you'll find tickets there. And And a lovely time as well, an hour and a half. So 7.30 until 9pm on Saturday, the 21st of January in St. Patrick's Gateway in Waterford City for the Solution Therapist or Karen Whelan as we know her and her Self Love Seminar. Karen, it's lovely to talk to you again. Thanks William, William for joining me on the Sunday Grill.
4: Orla, always a pleasure. Love your energy and thank you again for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.
1: Across the southeast. East it is Beat 102 103. Okay let's head to County Wexford and if a new job is on your vision board for 2023 then my next guest could help you during a very important step on the career ladder. Alan Marr is the man behind Mar Consulting. He's based in Enniscorthy and he specialises in helping people tackle job interviews. He joins us on the Sunday Grill this morning with some tips and to explain competency-based interviews, which a lot of employers, including the public sector jobs, are now doing. And you're very welcome, Alan, to the Sunday Grill.
5: Good morning, Arla. Thanks, Megan, for having me on.
1: And I suppose a lot of people are thinking about changing careers in 2023, but I always find that really interesting, especially these days, because I I don't think a, a career or a job even is something that people see for life. There seems to be a lot of people changing even direction of where they're going, doesn't there?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the time of, you know, spending 30 or 40 years in one job as my own dad did in mm. his time, spent 43 years working for one company. And I suppose realistically that time is gone for most people now anyway. Um, people will not long change job, but they'll probably change career. Uh, I was looking at some st- statistics there a while ago that, um uh, kind of three and a half to four years is the average length of time people spend in a job now and uh, I suppose interestingly enough uh, some similar research was saying that after about six uh, possibly seven years you don't have anything uh, new to offer uh, an existing job at that stage you know you, you've you gone through you've brought all the new ideas that you're going to bring to it and after that period of time you're you're kind of Skiddle. treading water that you've already uh, <laughs> splashed around in already you Okay. Know, so. So it's um it's uh, that's just the way it is. And I suppose we're in a different world now where there's opportunities to work from home. Wow. You know, you can work with no matter where you are in the world now. If you have a laptop and a phone, you can possibly work depending on the type of job you're you're looking at doing. And you know, so the whole world of work has changed and therefore interviewing and that whole process is probably reflecting that that change and that all as well, true. you
1: know. It's a funny one though, because you know, it, it's not a bad thing. People change in their careers, as you said. We can get very stagnant in what we do. But I also come from the train of thought of what what's the problem with your job just being your job? And, and you go home and you go to a job every day and then you have other stuff going on. Do you know what I mean?
5: Yeah, I suppose. Look at, you know, for all of us, a, a job, if it's a full-time role that we're in, you're probably going to spend, you know, 40 hours a week mm. there, thereabouts in that role. So... I do really feel, and I honestly believe it. It's not just you know a kind of advice. I do believe it from a personal perspective or point of view that we really should try and do something that we genuinely love. Mm -hmm. You know that yeah, for sure, a job is a job. But you know, if we're doing something that we enjoy, if you're going to spend forty hours a week doing it, it should be something that, in some way, if you can get some enjoyment and some kind of satisfaction from doing it, um, it's really something we should try and consider. And you know, making a change can be scary. Mm-hmm. Um change is always a scary thing for people, but it doesn't mean that it's not worth considering or that we don't have the skills and the abilities to do it.
4: Yeah, true.
1: Okay. So you've decided on the career change, you've sent a great C V, you've got the interview. So the next step is that interview. And there's some glaringly obvious ways that potential employees can go wrong during the interview stage. I'm thinking things like close stance I, I even remember one time I was a receptionist you know those kind of temporary jobs you used to do when you're on you know away sure. abroad even doing temp jobs and I remember someone came in for an interview and they must have been 40 minutes early and I was like is that a big no-no because that's a big no-no to me what are the, what are the <laughs> things that you can do to, to start right with an interview
5: Yeah, well, look at, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we can talk about all the different styles of interviews and all the HR stuff that that goes along with doing an interview. But at its heart, an interview is a a human communication process and, you know, people buy people first. So we make first impressions very quickly. Um, I again was looking at some kind of information i tried to keep up to speed with some of this stuff and they mm. say now with the advent of modern day kind of uh, tools and scanners mri scanners and all that kind of stuff that can track the human brain that we we've made our first um yeah first impression kind of within kind of one and a half two seconds oh
1: yeah i agree uh, with that so thing, it's a Kyle.
5: very very instant uh, yeah. process so yes how we dress how we present ourselves uh you know even our stance our posture, our posture, contact. uh, All of those things do make a difference because it's kind of central to how humans communicate. And, you know, anytime where you go to meet other people, um, these kind of things are ongoing and we don't always recognize that they are ongoing, but Mm. that's just being human. And um, you know, so how we present ourselves, I'm probably a little bit uh, old school if you like uh, to use a phrase that the, the station there uses a bit you know <laughs> the old school uh, kind of train of thought is the short and tie for the for the gents and all that kind of stuff possibly that's starting to change a little bit and we can kind of maybe consider business casual so that's maybe nice trousers good shirt um, jacket you know maybe an open neck is, is, is still acceptable at, at some ways as long as the people that are interviewing you can see that you've made an obvious effort mm. to turn up and to look professional and to look right for the job you may not ever wear that kind of clothes or you may not wear a suit for that job but you haven't got the job yet and you're trying to say in a very visual way to people that this opportunity is important to me so therefore i've made an effort today and i'm kind of trying to do my best to look as if you know this is something that i really want to um you know do right and prepare properly for and to look the look the part and to look right for you that's kind of what you're saying with the clothing you're trying to portray effort and that this is an important step for you. Okay.
1: And then what are these competency uh, exams? I've never heard of these before.
5: Yeah, these uh, competency based interviews well, are interviews. Really, really They're common. not an exam. No, 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 they're not an exam, no. Yeah, so competency-based interviews are very, very common now throughout the public sector. So if you work for any or if you're trying to get into any uh, body that is a state agency or state-funded or backed by the state in any way, so public sector jobs, I suppose, is what you could describe them as Mm -hmm. uh, generally, uh, you are going to do what's called a competency-based interview. And a competency-based interview is where you're asked to give examples of certain competencies or behaviors they're often also referred to as behavioral interviews so you have to give examples from your prior experience of where you have demonstrated key behaviors or competencies that show that you have the ability to do the job now, very often the behaviours or competencies are human in nature, so they're not about technical skills very often. They're more often about your ability to work as part of the team, okay. your interpersonal skills, uh, your ability to demonstrate resilience, uh, to organise, to plan. To problem solve. So these are all kind of innate human skills that we possess and how they establish that we have that skill is by demonstrating or discussing that, uh, how you have uh, demonstrated that skill in a previous uh, example from your work.
1: And could it be anything at all that you're asked or is there kind of a template that they go for?
5: Well, they very often, you know, the, the competencies are often quite uh, consistent. Okay. So teamwork is a big one. Communication skills is a big one. Organizational skills is a big one. Uh, ability to work on your own initiative is a big one. Um, uh, problem solving is a big one. Um, just been working with some people who are going for uh, on Gardaíche at the moment, and they look for stuff like resilience and service ethos and that kind of stuff. So. They're, again, human very often in nature, or as I describe them, human in nature. They're not about technical skills, so they're not about your ability to you know, to, uh, to weld or to be a good mm. carpenter or to be a good whatever. They're about your human abilities, um, you know. So competencies are very often, as I said, referred to as behaviors. So they're often referred to as behavioral interviews. So if any of your listeners are out there and they get, a, you know, a letter from a company that they've applied for a job that they're going to be attending a competency-based or behavioral interview, they need to start thinking about examples where they have demonstrated the behaviors required to okay. do the job and very often the public sector will tell you up front or what the competencies are you're you know you're not left in limbo to wonder what they are they will give you a list of five or six and they'll say look at your interview is going to be based primarily on these kind of key areas please ensure that you can demonstrate from examples from your career uh, your ability to operate under these competencies so they're very clear and they give you lots of information how to approach these interviews so um Yeah, they're very, very specific and, uh, you know, uh, you have to be able to give an example. Mm -hmm. Um, They do also give you a structure. They call it, um, the, the public sector give a lot of guidance on this thing they call STAR. So STAR stands for Situation, Task actions and results okay. so you have to be able to talk about a situation that you've been in the task that you were trying to perform in that situation the actions you performed uh, that demonstrates the competency and the results that it achieved though it's a great structuring you do need structure because we're irish and we're great storytellers so we when we're telling stories we can go off on all kinds of tangents uh-huh. but i kind of feel that star myself maybe overcomplicates it a little bit and okay. i work with my clients on a thing called car c-a are which is just circumstances actions and results so what okay. are the circumstances of this story what are the actions that you took that demonstrates the required competency and what are the okay. results that you achieved by taking the actions that you took Brilliant. And so that can even uh, apply it's important
1: if you're not doing a public service interview even they're good ones to yeah to absolutely be thinking
5: about. yeah 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 absolutely i think you know to be honest with you the proof of having done something already is better quality proof that you're able to do it compared to talking about that you would do it sometime yes. in the future, you know. So if okay. you've done it already, it's proof that you're capable of doing it. Okay, so yeah. even if this is not a public sector interview that you're going for, some examples of where you have achieved certain things or done certain things that might be required for the job that you're doing is a great way to show that you're, you know, you're capable that you're able to do it and that you understand what you know um, the different skills required Brilliant. for the job are and how you might be able to demonstrate them.
1: Good stuff. So- some brilliant tips there if people are thinking of changing jobs and heading to a few interviews in 2023 I, I really like that statement that you said that people buy people so it's all about those first few seconds of meeting someone in an interview and then those competency based interviews are very interesting as well of course people can talk to you one on one alan as well can't they if they're preparing for interviews
5: yeah, that's or on, cvs yeah, uh, one-to-one confidential basis so uh, all my contact details there are on marconsulting.ie so it's maher that's the version of mar that i use on okay. so marconsulting.ie so all the contact details are online i'm on facebook and linkedin and all that kind of stuff as well and uh, yeah often the one-to-one setting works really well because that's where you can get into stuff with people and uh, just to say as well that when we talk about examples or just um just to kind of say it before we wrap Mm -hmm. up um, that when we talk about preparing examples you're very often people come into me and they're looking they're thinking about like really really big amazing examples Mm -hmm. of how they've demonstrated stuff in really kind of complex ways and it isn't that it's about the stuff that we do day in day out and sometimes we take that for granted you know so just to bear in mind that very often the stuff that we're doing day in day out the examples of where we are demonstrating those skills lie in that day to day uh, enactment of our, our duty and our responsibilities in our jobs so keep it simple
1: Brilliant Brilliant advice that is Alan uh, Marr from Marr Consulting it's marrconsulting.ie and as he said it's or Alan thanks a million for that great advice
5: All a pleasure thanks Mel.
0: The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 Well
1: I think it's pretty much a given or on my social media's algorithm it is at least that the whole new year new you is just well a bit damaging. Michelle O'Gorman is based in Wexford and she's a specialist in eating disorders with over 15 years working with disordered eating. She joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning to talk body image and why January is such a busy time for her. You're very welcome back to the Sunday Grill, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Orla. This must be kind of frustrating, is it, to be talking about this again or how do you feel about January in your line of work? Yeah, look,
3: yeah look it, it is tough because again you know why it why it's there is because people are trying to sell you something a lot of the people mm. that are doing you know you know or, you know new year new me they're trying to sell you something and usually it's a quick fix that actually can cause people to go into an eating disorder or have more negative body image you know when i'm always working with my clients you know you, you're doing education you're doing psychoeducation on proper nutrition for their body but you're also looking And doing body image work and looking at the oppression of body image and diet culture and trying to explain to them, you know, that the body is never the problem. It's the culture that we live in. And like in the midst of all the dieting messages that tends to be, you know, at the peak time in January, you know, I always get clients to just just sit with themselves and really feel like listen to their own body and their own needs, because when I'm working with clients, The clients that I work with, it's obviously eating disorders and body image. And a lot Mm. of people live in the head through, you know, through anything that could have happened, diet culture or trauma, and it's getting them back into the body. And always the question is, what do you need? And to shut out all the toxic, I suppose, toxic, everything that's on social media and get them back into their own bodies. Okay,
1: so that must mean that around this time of year, that is two or threefold, all that toxic messaging.
3: Oh, yeah, it's it's everywhere, like it, it's everywhere. But it's like it's in. Yeah, you're right. It's in January, but then it's going to start in spring to get your body ready for the summer. Mm-hmm. It's always there. Diet culture is baked in our society. It's everywhere and it's not going anywhere because it's a, you know, it's a million billion dollar industry. People make a lot of money. So it's about bringing in awareness to the clients and acceptance of where they are with their eating disorder, or eating distress or their negative body image and working with the tools that they have. So it's always working on health and happiness for okay. them, not for anyone else. So it's like when I work with one to ones, it's like, OK, what do you need to feel good in your body? And it's helping them getting the answer, you know, getting the answer for themselves. And like some questions I always put them to, to them, like is what you're doing, does it work? Has it ever worked? Does it soothe pain or does mm-hmm. it escalate the pain? And usually the actions they are taking when it comes to their body image or dieting, it never works. Mm-hmm. It actually escalates the pain, and it's like, okay, well, what's going to work? What's going to help you through it right now?
1: Wow. Well, okay. You make it sound, you know, you're you're taking you're kind of taking all the elements out of it, and and in throwing it back at the client. Is that
3: right? Yeah, well, every client has the answer themselves. Okay. And when you put away all dare I say the word the BS of the diet culture and everything like that, and you get them to sit with their body and what do they want out of life? Because a lot of people in the diet diet industry or fitness, they're doing it because other people tell them, well, I should be doing this. I I have to do this. This is what this person said. Or this is what this fitness guru said or this diet said. And they get all confused and then they're not listening to their own body. And it's about in the sessions like, okay. Let's just say, what do you feel you need to thrive in life right now? And you break it down week by week. Okay, what can you start to practice this week that will make you feel good in your body and to help you reclaim your body and start trusting your body? And like, if they're very young, obviously, I'm going to have to make suggestions. So I always make suggestions and then they'll try it. If they're older, they probably have an idea and they'll get the answers themselves. So you're just directing them, signposts and giving them a signpost in a direction that's going to actually probably help them flourish in their life more. And then obviously with the, you know, with social media, I always say, like, what are you watching on social media? Can you reduce it? And a lot of young clients are really, really smart. They'll stop TikTok. They'll come off, you know, um it's you know sometimes it's the older people that i work with because it's so badly conditioned mm-hmm. since they were so young whether they learned it from their mother or their father and it's uh, it's you know it's it's negative patterns and it's conditioned and it's learn unlearning those conditions which can be hard when when diet culture is always telling you, you need to be stain, you need to be slim, you need to look a certain way. If you don't look a certain way, you're not of value. So that's tough on people and okay. males as well. Yeah. So it's really, really tough, you know, and it's really, really toxic. So as they're learning old patterns and, um, or sorry, if under as they're unraveling old patterns, they're learning new patterns, new healthy patterns. And that takes practice and it takes work. So sometimes like it's three steps forward and two steps back. But like over time and, practicing these new healthy patterns people can let go of I suppose diet culture and the negative around uh, their body image and what they've learned over years
1: okay good stuff um and like you said like you can go into settings and things like Instagram and even turn off your ad preferences and stuff like that if you're not if you don't want to see all those things that you haven't invited into your social media anyway and um, you say you've seen a marked increase in body image issues could, could you describe that like what do you mean by body image issues?
3: Well, I suppose. See, I get a lot of referrals from other. I, I specialize in obviously. I only I only specialize in eating disorders mm. and body image. So a lot of other therapists at the moment I have worked with, um, are known through the years are referring young girls, uh, to me with poor poor body image. And obviously, poor body image will lead to eating disorders. Mm-hmm. So it. I I do believe it's the culture that we're living in at the moment. It's very very toxic. Social media. COVID had a massive impact on young people, being in lockdown. Um, and all you see was on Facebook or Instagram, get out, get out, walk and get your 10,000 mm-hmm. steps, don't stay at home, don't mm-hmm. get fat, you know, and we have to look, you know, at all this. They were hearing it. So then they they were trying to, again, gain some sort of control when the world was going like every, we didn't know what was happening. So people were trying trying to help themselves. But unfortunately, what happened was. Doing the overexercise actually uh, led into eating disorders such as anorexia, nervosa, and binge eating. And then I think we see when everything starts to open up, and you know, everything was like people were going back into school, parents start to cop it, teachers start to cop it about, you know. Um, that there's a high rise in negative body image, and then what? what how I'm seeing at my office is that I'm getting referred to from people from Waterford, Iniscarity, Wexford, even Dublin, looking to work with their with their daughter who has negative body image, which led into an eating disorder. Okay, wow,
1: and and a lot of that you think has come from COVID.
3: Well, not all, well, some of it as well. You know, uh, there has also been a rise in uh, compulsive exercising mm. due to COVID. And other therapists in the same field that I worked with, same field I worked with, especially in Dublin, have seen a rise in compulsive exercise due to COVID. So a factor of it is COVID. Um, and also a factor of it is it's the diet culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like, again, as I said, it's everywhere. Um, and obviously social media does have an impact. It's not always sometimes it can be like trauma trauma traumatic experience, it can be a a coping mechanism for someone trying to trying to literally deal with the trauma. Mm -hmm. But of what I'm seeing at the moment, it has been due to being locked down in COVID and seeing all this information, information overload on diets and exercising uh, due to COVID that was put out there. Um, And it's done done a lot of damage. Mm
1: definitely so what would you say yeah, michelle I before i let you go what would be kind of the tips that you give people who like feel just a bit bombarded in january and you know you know i think we understand die culture we understand its marketing ploys but you know when very fabulous people are thinking you should be this way and that way and you're only seeing the best of their lives it's very hard to switch that off isn't it
3: yeah look it it really is hard um and i again, I'll I'll just, I suppose, talk how I would do it with clients. Mm. I would ask them to reduce their social media and then I would get them to see start off with body neutrality and say, my body's okay, And then look at the triggers that is causing them to do negative behaviours with their body. So it could be a trigger, could be like, you know, someone comment on their body, they see someone else on a diet and um, they might see something on social media that could trigger them and then it's like okay dealing with that trigger so when that trigger comes up what would be more productive for you to do to deal with that negative body image and all the question is like what makes you feel good in your body and you know for some people it's um going for a walk playing with the dog playing with my brother um, doing healthy movement nourishing my body resting okay so it's know, what makes so you feel educated. physically
1: good in your body
3: Yes. OK. And like over exercising and dieting doesn't make someone feel good mm-hmm. in the body unless they're unless they're avoiding it. And like some good questions to ask is like, what has come between you and feeling at home in your body? And how did you first come to learn that your body was the problem? And then you see when you start off at the basics, they can see, OK, these were the things that caused my eating disorder or negative body image. Mm-hmm. How can you let go of them? And then what are you going to do to move forward to work? to i suppose to heal he, the word is always about healing healing your relationship with food and healing your relationship with your body mm-hmm. and unfortunately there's not many accounts out there at the moment a few but not many counts that are very good at it they're, they're all trying to sell you something mm-hmm. and that just never works it's just you know no, unfortunately know. it is a minefield but as you said we can go from
1: negative body image to eating disorder so it's very important to be able to see those signs is it
3: Oh, it's really important. And it's really important for parents as well, because it can be it can start off with a diet or it can start off with, you know, uh, a little exercise and especially with teenagers like, oh, I want to fit into a certain dress or I want to look at certain size and um, I want to be like my friends. So when they start to speak about negative body image, if you can catch it and get a body image therapist and start working on that before it turns into a full bone eating disorder, because mm-hmm. what's going to happen is, well, my, I'm not happy with my body. So I need to change my body. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll go on a diet. And then that just leads into purging or anorexic nervosa or or negative behaviours with food. Mm -hmm. So it's a slippy slope. It
1: is. Okay. well, some great advice there as we are in that month where everything seems to be about New Year's, new you, and that can have a very negative impact on people. Michelle O'Gorman is based in Wexford. You can get more details on what she does at michelleogorman.com. And Michelle, thanks a million for joining me this morning.
3: Thanks, Orla. The Sunday
0: Grill on Beat One Hundred Two One Hundred
1: It is The Sunday Grill here on Beat One Hundred Three, and our Brian he's here
0: Hello. Hi Orla How you doing?
1: How are you Brian? I'm good So Brian is looking ahead this week at some of the biggest movies to look forward to this year very much spread across the year by the way Are you ready? Yeah Let's do it and let's do it in the order that they come out and um, let's start with Cocaine Bear Now I watched the trailer for this and guffawed the whole way through it. Uh That does not mean that I think I'm going to like it. I just think the trailer could do all the good bits, funnily. It looks like one of those movies. But anyway, it stars Ray uh, Liotta. Um, It's inspired by a true story of the cocaine bear, an American black bear who ingested a duffel bag full of the stuff in 1985 so bizarre, it's true. Tell I, us a bit more about
0: it. I honestly cannot wait for it. It's it's it's. Li- There's li- been it
1: much buzz about it.
0: There's I've seen a few things about it on Twitter. Obviously, like I think yeah, the trailer came out, but like it's just it's so mad. It feels like the kind of movie that came out in the '90s, and you're like, how do they make this? Yeah. And it's actually Ray Liotta's last role before he died. Like okay, so yeah. And everyone's kind. It's kind of ironic that his last role is like like he's famous for Goodfellas. Yeah. And then his last role is Cocaine Bear. Like, but <laughs> it's it just looks so silly. And you know, and in, crazy. The, in
1: the first scene of the trailer, someone is going in to look for the bear and he's in this little, you know, someone's shower room or something. And it's quite badly CGI'd, I thought, but I also didn't care about it. No,
0: like, yeah. It's one of the, I think, I think there's, this year we'll see a lot of things being not as quality wise, but more entertaining. Yeah. Like people will enjoy them more. Yeah. And I feel like this is going to be the perfect example of it's not going to win a single Oscar. Anyone like this, like mad into like critiquing. Like visuals, it's probably mm. never even going to consider it. But I feel like if you go see it, you're I mean, like, "That was!" I'm so happy I did.
1: Yeah, I think I will go and see this. It's out next month. It's going You'll to go my, see you know, it. No, it's my New Year's resolution. I okay, promise. Okay. Okay. We'll I'm going to go her. to the cinema once a month because I would be really sad if cinemas closed. They bring me so much joy. I just don't get to go to them very often. But I'm going to go to one once okay. a month because you know why? Why? You know the way the Banshees of Inish Aaron came to Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Not good on the small screen. Uh, like everyone was raving about it. And I watched it, and I quite liked it, but I realised I should have seen that on the big screen.
0: Well, I I gave you warning before it even came out, or?
1: You did, you did, Brian. (laughs) And you know what else is my New Year's resolution for 2022? What is it? Listen to Brian more. Good. Yeah, there you
0: go. That should be everyone's New Year's (laughs) resolution, except for myself. I shouldn't listen to myself. Yeah.
1: You should listen to Orla
0: more. Yeah, I should listen to everybody else mm. more.
1: Anyway, that is Cocaine Bear. It stars Ray Liotta and you know who else is in it? Um, The actress from Felicity. Kerry uh, Russell. Kerry Russell. And she seems really good in it as well. But I, if the trailer's anything to go by, a lot of people lose their lives in this. Oh, movie. It's, it's,
0: yeah. I, I'd say it's just crazy. Okay. I'd say it's very violent.
1: Okay, you don't have long to wait for this. February 24th for co- Cocaine Bear. Okay, uh, let's talk Barbie next. Now... About three weeks ago two weeks ago a teaser was released quite a disappointing teaser Really? Ah I'll play it see what you think tells you nothing Since the beginning of time since the first little girl ever existed there have been dolls but the dolls were always
4: and forever
1: baby dolls until
4: there you go.
0: Yeah, it, well, it's 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 doesn't 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh,
1: yes, no, I get that. But we don't have a plot or anything. Oh. i like a bit of a plot.
0: I don't It's uh, I don't know. I think, see, I picked these movies on what well, I'm excited to see. And you know me, I love madness. Yeah. This just looks like pure madness. Well,
1: there's kind of little flashes of different scenes and they none of them really make sense. Like, none of them make up Perfect. a story. Like, there's a dancing and singing kind of scene. I, th- and I think
0: it's going to be like the Lego movie for adults, yeah, honestly. It true. feels like that kind of way. But, like, it is a movie about a toy. And I feel like they're they're literally like, it is a movie about a toy. Well, and let's have fun with that.
1: Directed by the great Greta Gerwig. Yeah. She does great stuff. Never before has them been such a reaction to an overly blonde Ryan Gosling playing Ken. And Margot Robbie can do but no th- wrong either. The, the
0: whole cast is incredible, though. Like, you've Will Ferrell, Helen Mirren, Emma Mackey, Nicola Coughlin, uh, Kate McKinnon, Michael Sierra, uh, the new Doctor Who gatwa is that really? how you pronounce his name? And it's like, it's literally just, they got. They were like, okay, who is fantastic on screen? Who is so full of life on screen? Well, let's get all of them in. Yeah, I can't, I honestly, this, this is the single thing I'm most excited for this entire year.
1: Yeah, I did kind of when you know when the first picture came out. As I was saying of Ryan Gosling, I thought, oh, this is going to be absolutely terrible. And then it slowly started to be drip fed yeah. the Margot Robbies and the fact that Greta Gerwig, um, directed it. And you're kind of then thinking, no, this is going to be a good one. Oh, I and think it's gonna be phenomenal. Yeah, of course, Greta Gerwig is the woman who brought us Lady Bird, which um, cinched
0: got yet another
1: Oscar nomination for.
0: She'll get there. She she'll get the she
1: will Oscar something. Yeah. Now Barbie. I'm sorry to have to tell you, it's summertime, July 21st, but lots of other stuff to look forward to as well. But we're just going to really have to spread our wings even further and almost look to this time next year for our next movie. It's December 15, 2023, but it really is cementing Timothy Chalamet in his megastar status. ...that he is heading towards, I think... ...and he takes the reins as Willy Wonka... ...now you're not going to find a trailer to this... ...plenty of concept ones... ...and I don't like a concept trailer... ...do you want a concept trailer? What do you... ...how do you feel about a concept trailer?
0: I kind of get excited... ...but in the wrong way... ...if that makes sense... ...because you're like... ...oh it's this the way the story is going... ...and then you're wrong... ...and then it's like... ...oh then you're disappointed... ...and
1: why is a Sim playing that actor... ...you know... ...that's unlike whatever... ...anyway... ...really exciting... (laughs) (laughs) ...the really exciting news... ...is not just about Timothy... It's about Mr. Bean. He's also going to be in the Wonka movie. We well,
0: see the the again the cast like it's all phenomenal. these all these cat things are very com- like like see the adventure the, on IMDb. Its the genres are adventure, comedy, family, fantasy, musical.
1: Oh, perfect! All my favorite and things.
0: It's directed by Paul King, who directed Paddington and Paddington Two, which Brilliant. is as we know fantastic. Yeah, iconic. And it's written by uh, Simon Farnaby. So he was on most well for me most famously Horrible Histories. He was oh, the, yes. he was the guy that was on that. Oh, Larry. And Paul yeah. King wrote it as well, and a, a Paul Rich, who was um on SNL, wrote it as well. Brilliant. So it's like it's I don't see this being anything less than fantastic. It's like Timothy Chalamet, is Olivia Colman. Is it a musical Holman.
1: then? If it's the Horrible Histories kind of element, to I would it. say
0: so because Ron Atkinson, Keegan Michael Key, Matt Lucas is in there as well. Uh, I, I just feel like this is gonna be spectacular. Yeah. I feel like it's gonna be in the same kind of vibe as Matilda.
1: Oh brilliant. And do you know why because well, well, I found the Johnny Depp Wonka one incredibly disappointing. But
0: it was so. Tim Burton being Tim Burton though, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, but He's uh too hipster for this his own good. I feel like this is gonna be this is gonna be very, very fun.
1: Brilliant. Okay, that is December fifteenth, twenty twenty three. They are the three that Brian is looking forward to next month. It is cocaine bear, February twenty fourth. Barbie is July twenty first, and Wonka unfortunately is Next year, December 2023. Any other ones you want to throw out there? Really, uh,
0: Into the Spider Verse looks fantastic. Okay, uh, Guardians of the is Galaxy it animation. It is, yeah. Okay, but Woo-hoo. it's it's top tier. You know, it's like next generation, like it's the next level gen- um uh, animation. Okay, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three looks great. I love, Absolutely. I love too. Okay, and, Always uh, a bit
1: madcap.
0: And then the mission, new Mission Impossible as well. Looks oh, fantastic. Tom is back. Yeah, that's it's the one true. where he jumps off the cliff on the bike.
1: Oh okay. Did you see that? Fair play to Tom. There was Tom. A, the, the whole
0: clip of him, like the whole behind the scenes of him literally on a bike with just a parachute, no no CGI, it's literally just him like. Wow. Magic like.
1: Fair play to you, Tom. Thanks a million, Brian. <laughs>
0: <No bothersome. laughs> the Sunday grill on beat. 102 103.